So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, this is the ESV. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. I just want to focus on this one verse today. We see much here, just in this one verse, we see Christ. A lot to say there, right? His person. His glory, his work, what he did on the cross, and the purpose of that work. We're going to see all these things today. So just want to start out just with, to think about his person. Who, who are we speaking about here? Who is it? We know he's talking about his cross work, that he died, the righteous for the unrighteous, or the just for the unjust in the NAS, that he might bring us to God. He died once for sins. This once and for all sacrifice that he has accomplished, it's helpful for us if we remember what kind of person made this, this sacrifice. Much we could say about this, but just using First Peter here, we could say time would fail to speak about just all the different verses that mention Christ in the book of First Peter. But we see in First Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 20, speaking about Christ, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So foreknown before the foundation of the world, that he's always, Christ has always been. There was a time in history when he became a man, uh, a person. Yes, he took on flesh, but we need to understand that he was always, he has always been. There never was a time when Christ was not. He always, he always existed uh, before the foundation of the world. He always was there in the perfect fellowship uh, in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the the Spirit, this harmony, this unity, this love. He existed before the foundation of the world. So when we're talking about his work, it's helpful for for us to remember that he's always been. He stepped out. He stepped out of eternity, like it says there in Micah, and he stepped into this world and became man. And what a person that he is. He was prophesied about there in 1 Peter chapter chapter 1 verse 10 and 11 it was it was foretold that he that he would come concerning this salvation the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories the spirit of Christ that he was in, he was inspiring the prophets. They were speaking about this one who would come. You see, uh, you look in Moses, he's foretold there. David foretold him all the different prophets all over the place, right? In the Old Testament about this Christ who would come and redeem his people. There in Isaiah 53, so clear his, his work and other places you see that as well. But it was, he was foretold about the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, the glories that would follow from that. And we know about Christ that as he did, he did come and he did die and he was resurrected. He is at the right hand of God. We see in First Peter that he is coming again, that he it talks about the revelation of Jesus Christ. The believers have set their hope fully on this, the revelation of Jesus Christ when he's going to come and that day when he's revealed, right? That That's his person. And we see that. You know, it talks about the precious blood of Christ there in chapter 1 as well. So if his blood is precious, it's precious because of 
the preciousness of his person, right? This the all the altogether lovely one, you know, the one in whom is all is all beauty, the beloved of heaven, uh, the glo- the glorious one, the glorious Christ, utmost in his in his character and all of his many different faceted glories, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's Him who has done this work that He's the one who suffered and died for, once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous. And I want to look more in detail at that later, but I think it might be helpful for us to see what is, what is the purpose of this? What is the, what is the end here uh, that he would die? It's very clear there in our verse, isn't it? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, or in order that he might bring us to God. Very clear, right? What, why did he die? That he would bring us to God. That he might bring us. What is that? Bring us to God. Well, that we could say many things. That we would be accepted by God. We would be right with God. That we would know the one true God. That we would be forgiven. That we would be God's children. That we would be known of him. That we would live with him forever. And brethren, that we would ultimately have God. Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. And that one brother said that God is the gift that he gives. You know, that's the ultimate end, you know, of the gospel is that you get God and that you get him. You get to know this glorious God. But the purpose that we see here that he might bring us to God, that it does imply something, doesn't it? It does imply that, one, that we are not naturally with God, right? We are not naturally brought to God. That And man in his natural state and every person apart from Christ has not been brought to God. Actually away from God. That's who we are naturally. Not That's who you are if you're a lost person today. Not reconciled to God. Not in the favor of God. Far away from Him. And most people are like that. Most people are in that state. Most people are in that state of lostness. What does it mean to be away from God? Well, there's many things we could say, but some things we could say is this, that separated from God because of our sin. Now, the believer, as you're hearing this, you could think back that this is who I used to be, and you can marvel at the grace of God in your life. We're always to be remembering, right? Remembering, I used to be lost, but now I'm saved, these things. But for the person that is not in your, uh, is not a Christian, you know, many of you children, they haven't yet come to Christ, some of you that, that don't know Christ, or not just the children, but other people. I want to I say it specifically to you, just so that you can get it, right? That if you're not in Christ, the reality is that you are separated from God because of your sin. Separated from God. In the Bible, that sin is really no small thing. It, we speak about sin as, oh, it's nobody's perfect, Uh, we're all human, that sort of thing. But when you look at sin in the Bible, it it is no small thing. It uses words like evil, words like wickedness to describe your sin. And the reality is each person, before they come to Christ, has a wicked heart. For God saves them. The heart of a person in the scriptures is described that their thoughts, their emotions, their will, the very core of who a person is. So at the very core of who a person is before they come to Christ is a wicked heart, wicked thoughts, wicked desires, wicked will. 
evil like that. That's how God says it. He actually says, Jesus says this, the loving Jesus says, Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Out of the heart of man come those things. You know, some people would think, well, you know, I have these sins and I struggle with these different thoughts, but basically my heart is good. The lost man speaking about them. That, but those evil thoughts that are in your mind, right, those things that you wouldn't want anyone to, to see, those things that, as the, the brother said, that if they were put on national TV, if they were put on a TV screen, and we were to make a, a history of your thought life and put it down in about a 10-minute video, right, and just flashing all the thoughts that you've ever thought, you, you would see things on there so wicked that you, you would be ashamed, right? That's what God, where did that come from? Where are those things coming from in the lost man? They're coming from the heart. They're coming from your heart. That speaks about who you really are before God. In your natural state, in bondage to sin. All, all you can do is just sin. You trade one sin for another, right? You forget one sin, you leave off one sin, you're, prou- you're proud about it. Self-righteousness, you're in bondage to sin. And in our sin, mankind has offended the holy God, who God is in his own category by himself, this pure, this righteous God who created us for his glory, who created us that we would live for him, who's, who's manifested himself in creation, that you can look out in the sky and see the things that have been made and see that there is a true God that is powerful and glorious and wor- worthy of worship, but all of us, right, before we come to Christ, we press that down. Like one brother said, it's like a big, a big, a huge spring that's welling up, welling up in our hearts that there is a God and he's worthy of worship. But yet in our sin, we're just pushing that down and pushing that down, not wanting to think about who the true God is. That's your current state if you're without Christ. Without God in the world, that's a terrible reality you know without God in the world meaning that you have no real fellowship with the true God if you're not in Christ there is real no intimacy there is no real relationship between you and God it is to be it to be lost is to be in Adam that as Adam fell and the entire human race fell in him this guilt that we inherit from him that it's upon you to be to be in Adam and to not be in Christ. That that is that is horrible. Enemies of God, the Bible describes us. Not that sin is some little small thing, but yet we're described before you come to Christ as an enemy of God. If you haven't yet come to Christ, that's your present state. An enemy of God. We are against Him in your sin. He is against us and is just and is just hatred for that sin. If you haven't yet come to Christ, then you're you're a child of the devil. A child of the devil, meaning the description of to describe who you really are is that you're just like your your father, the devil. You you resemble him. Jesus told that told, said that to some very religious people, didn't he? He said that to some very people that knew the Bible, that could quote scripture. It would have been seen very outward as moral and holy in that. But he said, you're of your father, the devil. Under, under the wrath of God, meaning that condemned is basically the title that could be put over you. Is that condemned simply awaiting the day 
when you die and then you're under the wrath of God for all eternity. And hell is the ultimate destiny if you're not in, in Christ. Hell is not a place that, uh, like the movies would depict, those wicked movies that would say that the devil is basically the one who rules in hell. Um, hell is hell because God is, God is there. That's why that's, it's the fierce wrath of God on display. The devil himself will suffer in that place. The demons, some of them right now, even, suffer, even suffering there. And it's made for the devils and his angels. And it, but though the person that won't come to Christ, the person that doesn't ultimately flee to Christ and trust in him, that when you die, that, you're, that your sin is so great that it'll be for you, like it says in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, to die in that state without Christ. So it's, a, it's a fearful thing. And it's forever, forever separated from God. So this thing being brought to God, God, it implies a lot about who we are naturally before we come to God. But also it shows this, us this in this verse that as an implication, that if, if it is that Christ is the one that brings us to God, it, he, he himself is the one who bore our sins on the body, in his body on the tree that it was Christ who suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, then it is Christ who does it, then it implies, doesn't it, that nothing that you can do can bring you to God. That is very simple, basic truths, but it's something that's utmost necessary to understand in order to be saved. That nothing but Christ and his work can make a person right with God, can bring a person to God. Not not your own not your own efforts. You know, sometimes you're you're sharing the gospel with someone. They you're talking to them about sin, and the person is awakened to their sin, maybe. And it, and it's sad, isn't it, that you see just the tendency of man to think, well, I'm going to really try to do better now. I'm going to just I'm going to really I'm going to put that sin away. I'm going to really try harder to make myself acceptable to God. But we can know based on the scriptures that if that's your confidence, if that's what you're seeking to do to make yourself right with God, you can know. Uh, just based on the authority of the word of God, that it will not, that you'll be condemned. You'll be in hell. If that's your confidence, if, even if you could, from this point on, never sin again, say you were able, which you're not, but say you were able to never sin again, you have that whole history of, of sins that's on your records if you're not in Christ. And time doesn't forgive sin, does it? 20, well, the sins of my 20s or whatever, you know, I'm a lot different now, right? But that doesn't erase the guilt, and that doesn't erase the sin if you're not yet in Christ. And every, every false, every uh, world religion and every false form of Christianity has as its center and its core a salvation by what you do, a salvation by your works, right? Just look at all of them. You know, look at all the false forms of Christianity. It's by what you do. Evangelize enough, right? Keep the sacraments enough for all the different world religions. Try to please enough, please something enough, whatever it is. It all comes back to man being his own savior, man doing something, some kind of merit, some kind of deed to make him right with God. But that, but the scripture clearly tells us that not, absolutely not. That will never make a person 
right with God. And you see how Christianity uh, stands, at, at, it really shines because God gets all the glory and salvation, right? It's because of what Christ did, what he, he died in my place, right? And I'm going to heaven because of him, not because of me at all. That's all glory to Christ. And all the other ones, all the other false forms of Christianity or the major world religions, someone could stand before, could stand up and say, well, I got here because I got me here, basically. But you need to understand that not by works. When you can understand sin, it, make, it makes more sense. I mean, let's, let me illustrate it for you. Say a man in Kirksville, he committed a thousand murders. A thousand murders. They arrest him and they interview him, right? And, they're, and he's there before the judge and they're interviewing this man who committed a thousand murders. And he says, you know, I really, you know, he's got the mic. I committed those thousand murders, but I'm, I'm really hoping to get out on good conduct. I'm really, I'm really hoping to be able to get out of this whole thing. I'm going to try. I'm, not, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and then I'm going to never try to do that again. What would be, we would know that that's, that would not happen, right? A thousand murders is too great of a crime to ever get out on good conduct. And it'd be, we'd all do well to see our sin as that way, right? It's that, it's like that. You say, well, I never committed murder before. I mean, Jesus did liken anger to the same thing as murder, lust to the same thing as adultery. You know, sin is ugly and, and horrible before, before his eyes. It says there that yet we know in Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. God has spoken very clearly. You're not made right with God. You're not forgiven. You don't go to heaven. In other words, based on some keeping of God's rules or some keeping of some rules or anything like that. But through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, works of the law, working your way into heaven is completely different than faith in Jesus Christ. Totally different, right? Than faith in Jesus Christ. And it's sad sometimes that many times you talk, you talk to religious people and say, what do you, and you ask them, what do you mean by faith in Christ? And they begin to describe a keeping of some form of system or some meriting their salvation, don't they? That is, that is not the faith. That will save a person, right? It's totally different. Basically, the person that trusts in Christ is, is saying this. I'm so bad in my natural state and so wicked and so hell-deserving that the way that I'm going to heaven, I'm so bad that God had to leave heaven and come down here and become a man and die in my place. And that's the only way I'm getting in because of what he did through his death and his resurrection. It says that if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That, that'll help it make more sense how salvation is not by works. That if, if righteousness were through the law, Christ died for no purpose, right? That if you could get to heaven by something that you do, by trying enough, by being religion, religious enough, by trying to make amends or trying to do enough good things or whatever, then Christ died for no purpose, right? Look at what Christ did on the cross. See him there bearing the wrath of God, right? 
suffering, the man of sorrows coming to this earth, and on, when he's on the cross, bearing the wrath of God, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the blood dripping there in his own soul, the darkness that came upon him, right? And also the darkness that was there is showing us just what was happening as the sun's light failed. There he is on the cross, and he, and he, and he said that it is finished, right? And he died. And then you say, well, I'm going to try to go, I'm going to try to go to heaven based on something that I do. I'm going to, or I'm going to, yeah, Jesus, I need that, but plus something that I do. It's offensive to, it's offensive to God. It's like, it's like saying that wasn't good enough. You crush your own son, but let me come my own way. It's not going to work with the Lord. For all who, in fact, if you're, it says clear, if you're relying on works of the law, it says you're under a curse. If you want to go that way to get right with God, if you want to come to God on those terms, then you need to do it perfectly. You need to perfectly keep the law, never have sinned to be able to do that. And we all know we all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if right now, if you think about it, think with me, if you're not a Christian, you young people, why would I go to heaven? Would I go to heaven? If it, why? You begin to think, and the man that's trusting in his works will, unless he, uh, will begin to think that, well, I'm, going, I'm trying to do the right thing. Older people, they look back and think, they try to make sense of their life and think, well, I tried to do the right thing. I worked hard. I showed up for work. I tried to provide for my family. They're thinking about these things, looking, and what is that showing? It's showing that their trust is really in themselves and not in Christ. And they're actually under a curse. And this curse is not some kind of witchcraft or anything like that. This is a curse by God, meaning that you're under the condemnation of God where you sit. I mean, look into the future, you know, if you're without Christ, and see, and see yourself there on the day of judgment. There you are, standing before God, standing before this God who knows everything, right? This, this God in all of His glory, this God... Who, who sees all, knows all, knows all, those eyes of purity and that. This God who knows every sin that you've ever committed, all the sins that you've forgotten, none of us could probably could even really remember all the sins that we've done. But you stand before God without Christ. You're standing before one who's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he knows it all if you're without Christ. And it's on your account there. Not just sins that you've done on the outward, but sins that you've done on the inward, the thought life. There's things that you failed to do even, the, the not love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're standing before this God on that day, and so to speak, on the table is brought up all this evidence, right? All the sins you've done, all the anger, all the lust, all the lies, all the pride, all the just failures of love, all those things. And then, and, and you see that there on the table, it's sufficient to damn you for all of eternity. And then that thing that you're, those things that you were hoping in, those things that you were trusting in, thinking that, oh, these things, maybe these are righteous, maybe this will kind of balance the scales with God, which there is no scales with God, right? The good works never, never outweigh the bad. That's not how the Lord works at all. What you'll see on that day if you stand there without Christ that you're actually standing there and your best deeds are shown to be what they really are, like a filthy garment, those best things that you were trusting in. And there you are before God, your sins, right? All those thousands and millions of sins on your account and the best things you were thinking that would maybe somehow commend you to God are shown to be sin as well. 
And there you are standing before God in that state. This just God who just won't say, well, I'm loving, so I forgive you. What, what would be your state? I mean, obviously, it would, it would be hell forever. God is not just going to say, well, I forgive you because I'm loving. There must be some, those sins must be paid for. Those sin, sins must be dealt with. Now, just point us to this. His work, that's where Christ comes in. You know, I was talking with one guy one time. I was kind of going through sin, going through these different things, going through how it's not by works. And he says, you make it sound like nobody can be saved. And exactly, in that, the way he's thinking, exactly. Nobody can be saved that way. But the platform now is built to bring in the God the gospel, what Christ has done, right? His work. But a man can be saved through what Christ has done. A person can be saved. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us, that he might bring us to God. He suffered once for sins. That what was happening there on the cross is that this record of debt, as it says in Colossians, this record of debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands, this our debt, right, our sin that called out for our own condemnation. When Christ was on the cross, that God treated Christ as sin, right? He, he who knew no sin became sin for us, right? When he was on that cross, all the wrath of God poured out upon him, and he cried out, it is, he cried out, it is finished. He bore our sins in his body on on the tree. That's what he did. He, and that brings us to God. And that work was a once and for all thing, once and for all time in history. That's the only way man can be right with God. But also it's an effectual way that there has been something done to make someone right with God. That one time in history, those hours on the tree, God has dealt with sin and made a way that the sinner... Though he deserve hell forever, he's made a way that he can be brought to God, that he can be accepted by God now in Christ, to have God, to now, though, should be cast off for all eternity, now to be able to live for, what, for forever and ever with, with God. That's what Christ accomplished. Not only did he die, but he was resurrected. He was made alive in the Spirit. He, was, he ascended to the right hand, that place of victory, and he's coming again. Right? It's all going to wrap up in Jesus Christ. How should you respond to this? Well, if you're a lost person, you should repent and believe the gospel, right? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind, right? If, you, if you're thinking that somehow you're going to escape the wrath of God or somehow be good enough to get into heaven, change your mind about that. Realize that is never going to work. Uh, agree with God about who he says you really are in your sin, a wicked, hell-deserving sinner. And trust in what the only way that God has provided in Jesus Christ. Believe on him. What, what that means is basically that you're going to rely completely on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your forgiveness. Basically, I'm not putting my trust in any of my merits whatsoever. I'm going to rely and put all my eggs in this basket, so to speak, that when Jesus Christ died, that's the way that I made right with God. I'm believing on him, not just to be able to escape hell, though you should run from the wrath of God, but I want this Christ, right? I want this God. 
I want Him. I want Him as my treasure. I want Christ. I want to believe on Him. I'm turning from my sin. And I'm embracing Jesus Christ. Whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. If you trust Christ, right, it will be true of you that you pass from death to life. You will not come into judgment. When you stand there before God, you will be seen in Christ, hidden in Christ, meaning that all your sins have been paid in Christ when he was on the cross. They've all been paid. The wrath of God has been satisfied. The judgment and the punishment has been satisfied. And yet the perfect life that you need, that Christ had, that perfect righteous life is also now on your account to where when God sees the sinner, he sees them as all their sins forgiven and yet also perfect in his sight, in Christ, right? That, that's, the true, that's the true state of every believer and that we've been brought to God. Now we're accepted by him through what Christ has done. But you need to know that if you're lost, that everything is ready, right? Everything has been done. The feast has been like Thanksgiving dinner. The feast is on the table. Just come come and eat, right? You're invited, right? God is, you need to know this about God. Though if you die, that you fall into the hands of the living God, and it's a fearful thing, and he does throw people in hell. He throws old ladies in hell. All this thing, that's true, yes, But at the same time, God has made a way through Christ. He holds his hands out, right, to a wicked generation and says, you come. You come to me. I I don't delight in the death of the wicked. I would rather rather give you salvation. I would rather pardon you. I I don't want to cast you off. I will. But yet, I would rather give you forgiveness. You come to me. You believe on me. And you lost children. You know, I don't know if any of you sometimes think this way, but don't, don't think that you're safe. Don't think that you're safe around the things of God, right? If you haven't yet come to Christ. You know, it'd be like somebody that hears the ark, right? God's pouring out all of his waters of judgment and wrath. There and that there's somebody hanging on the outside of the ark as far as that as long as they can. The reality is they're still in the waters of judgment, right? It's only a matter of time they're going to lose that grip and and fall into ultimate judgment, right? What I'm saying with this, don't the word is near you, you children. The word is near you, right? The gospel, the way has been open. Don't feel like you're safe though. If you're still in the waters of judgment, go into the ark. The ark is Christ. Get in, right? Trust in what Christ has done, and he will shut you up in that ark, and he will hold you in his hand, and no one will be able to snatch you out of his hand. And he'll give you salvation. Come to him. Everything's ready. He's not willing that any should perish. God is making his appeal through us, saying, be reconciled to God. Through through flawed messengers and flawed messages, right? The gospel, something of it today. God making his appeal. God himself. Think about this. If you're lost, God is saying, be reconciled to me. Such is his love for sinners. Come. Come to me. You say, well, how do I come? Believe on him. Surrender. Trust in what he's done. And for the Christian, just in closing here, these things are good for us to hear as well, right? The gospel is to be our motivation what the love of Christ compels me, what he's done on our, on our behalf. 
And time would fail to speak about, you know, First Peter there as he says that the word of God, this word that's never going to fade away is the good news. Just the, the sat, how the New Testament writers were just saturated in their minds with the gospel. When they thought about the word here in First Peter, they're thinking that's the good news, right? The word of God, the gospel, that we be motivated by that. You see it all over the place in Paul. If you're a Christian, remember that you have been brought to God through Christ, you have been brought there, right? This, you have access with God on a continual basis, that you're righteous, you're righteous in Christ. And remember ultimately that the good news, the good news that of what Christ has done is salvation ultimately is that you get God, you get Him, you have God, possessing nothing, having nothing but possessing everything. Right? You have God, this treasure. You know, that's why we need to be in the pursuit of God through what Christ has done, this gospel-saturated pursuit. But you get God, believer. And I would ask you, the people that are lost, do you want God? Do you want Him, the true God of the Scriptures? He is glorious. You want, it, you want to get in while there's time and trust in Him. And you'll find Him to be a treasure. You'll find Him... You'll find him to be what he has claimed to be. His promises are true. He can be trusted uh, for all of eternity. Amen.